Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. Well, good morning and happy Pentecost to everybody. It's so fun to see all the red. Good job, liturgically aware Catholics. It's really great. Really, really great. The rest of you, better luck next year. It's okay. No shame. Ordinary times coming in. A lot of green. Get your green ready. All right, so we come now to the culmination of the Easter season. The 50 days of feasting of the Easter season culminates with the great solemnity of Pentecost, the solemnity of fire, as I would love to call it. You know, if I were God, which I'm not, and I know it, but if I were God, there'd be a whole lot more fire in the church's sacraments, right? You call down the Holy Spirit upon the gifts of bread and wine, and like fire <laughs> comes down, right? Doing a baptism, praying over the water, fire <laughs> comes down. It just would be so much more fiery if I was in charge, but as it is, I'm not. So, what we hear Jesus say earlier in Luke's gospel is coming to pass, right? Jesus and his disciples are moving to a town, and he lets out this cry from his heart. He says, I came to cast fire upon the earth. And how I wish it were already blazing. That longing in the Lord's heart, that mission in his heart, is being brought to culmination, as it were, in this upper room as the fire descends upon the apostles, right? That spark, that first spark that was first cast in Mary's immaculate womb, Jesus, the divine spark of God's love, began to grow there. That same spark, that same fire is fanned into flame in the upper room as tongues of fire descend upon the apostles, these men who were just ordinary men, right? They were fishermen, tax collectors, just ordinary untrained guys, tradesmen, these ordinary men who were not theologians, these dudes were not experts, they were not professional evangelists, these men went into the whole world. And as one, as the... Uh, um, Roman centurion, the Acts of the Apostles says, these men turned the world upside down. These men set the world on fire. By the way, in a world where it was illegal, it was illegal to exist for the first 300 years as a Christian, it wasn't just simply frowned upon, it wasn't just simply like, you know, an annoyance to social decorum, it was illegal to exist to be a Christian for the first 300 years. These men set the world on fires, turn the world upside down. The only way, historically, that we can explain that, explain the church's growth, it wasn't strategy. It wasn't their cleverness that did it. It had nothing to do with that. It was divine power, right? Jesus says, you will be clothed with power. They were given a new power. Something happened to them. Something happened inside of them. That fire that blazed in the heart of the sacred heart, that fire that blazes in the Trinity, came down and entered them. Like these men were on fire. Right? Think about the story of those disciples walking with Jesus on the road to Emmaus. Right? They're walking along, and the afterwards, their, their sort of description of their experience was, were not our hearts burning within us as he walked with us? That's a telltale sign of Jesus' activity. A burning heart. A burning heart. Tums can't touch that burning heart. Just telling you, right? A burning heart. That's what happened to the apostles. Something happened deep in their hearts. That fire, that divine life that is the Holy Spirit is what animates the church. 
That's what animates the church. Like, a, like the soul animates the body. You and I, we are the composite of body and soul. Right? You're not just a body. You are a soul and body composite. The Holy Spirit is the soul, if you will, of the church. The animating principle of the church. The principle of life and growth. It is the Spirit. It's the Spirit that puts the church on mission. It's the Spirit that does that. The church, friends, right? The church is not an organization. It's a mystical organism. It's a living thing, right? St. Paul is one who calls it the mystical body of Christ. The church doesn't have a mission. The church is a mission. You heard me share this last year on the Feast of Pentecost. The church is not a rowboat that we, by our great effort and energy, put forward through history. No, the church is a sailboat that can't move on its own unless it puts up the sails of receptivity to the activity of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the principle of life and growth and mission of the church. The church's mission which all the previous popes of the last century, certainly and beyond that, that they have reiterated, the church's mission is essentially to evangelize. It's not essentially to feed the poor. It's not essentially to educate children. It's not essentially to do any of those things. The essential mission of the church is to hand on the euangelion, the good news, the explosive news of the gospel, to make disciples. It's to evangelize. That's the essential mission of the church. That's the mission. I mean, just look at what happens after the Pentecost and the Acts of the Apostles. What happens is those disciples go forth in boldness and bring into the world what they themselves have witnessed and received. They make disciples. The first fruit of Pentecost is Peter gets up there. Peter, who, by the way, before this moments ago was scared, insecure, not knowing what to do. Peter gets up there in boldness and preaches, and 5,000 people convert. 5,000 people are cut to the heart because of his witness, and they ask, what must we do? It's not our doing. It's not our doing. The scriptures are so clear about this. You hear it from the Psalms. If the Lord does not build the house, in vain do the builders labor. If the Lord does not build the house, in vain do the builders labor. Friends, I'm going, to be, I'm going to level with you this morning. I'm going to be very honest. There is so much building in vain that's happening in the church, that has happened in the church these days. Fruitless ministry. Fruitless ministry. Good people, wonderful people, well-intentioned people, well-meaning people. They tr- they're saying, let's try this thing. Let's try this new thing. Let's set up this ministry. Let's do this thing. You know what? And no one shows up. No one comes. No one's affected. There's no transformation. No one's lives are changed. Why? Because if the Lord does not build the house, in vain do the builders labor. Why do we labor in vain in the church? Because to follow the Spirit, to actually be the sailboat, means radical dependence on the wind. There's oars on the boat, to be sure. And we feel that radical dependency. Boy, it's hasn't really blown a breeze in a few days, a few decades. We really should just put down the oars and let's just go somewhere, right? To follow the Spirit means radical dependency, which we hate. And it pushes us into new territories which are scary. The Spirit is always pushing us into new territories, doing new things, trying new ways of being. Deeper levels of dependency, deeper trust, and trying new things. I mean, like, 
do you think for a moment that if it were not for the Holy Spirit's prompting, do you think for a moment that the apostles would have willingly gone to Rome on their own into the heart of the belly of the beast where they knew that we are going to suffer? They knew they were going to be fed to lions, crucified, scourged, beheaded, lit on fire, skinned alive. Do you think they went there willingly because they're like, you know what? That seems like a great destination vacation place. I don't really like my skin anyways. No, they went there because they were following the Spirit. They went there because they were following the Spirit. The Spirit leads us to try new things, things that seem ridiculous, things that seem like they're not going to work. I'm thinking about this little on-fire nun from Canton, Ohio who followed the Spirit's lead and obeyed, and she succeeded in doing something, establishing a global Catholic television network that up until that point, all the U.S. Catholic bishops, they tried to do and they failed. Talking, of course, about Mother Angelica and EWTN. You realize that EWTN was just this one nun who, when the wind blew, she put up the sail and said, I'll go. When all the U.S. bishops before her tried to do it, with all their fundraising power, they couldn't do it. If the Lord does not build the house, in vain do the builders labor. Friends, what I want to do for the remainder of this homily this morning, I want to share where the Spirit has been blowing here at Sacred Heart. Where the Spirit's been blowing, where the Spirit's been leading us here at Sacred Heart, especially over the last year, where it seems the Spirit is leading, what it seems like the Spirit is building, what is happening and how you can get involved. So pay attention. You with me? Amen? All right. The grace of Pentecost is being unleashed in our parish in a particularly powerful way in the area of youth ministry and youth formation at Sacred Heart of Jesus Parish. I want to tell you about that. So the Lord created an opportunity for us a little over a year ago to hire a full-time youth minister. We've never had a full-time youth minister at, at, here at Sacred Heart. We hired Claire Corridoni. Claire, are you here? You are here. Are you here? Yeah. Stand up for a second, Claire. She's wearing red. She's easy to see. Okay. Everyone say, hi, Claire. Hi. There you go. Oh, there we go. All right. So Claire's our director of discipleship. She accepted the job, in fact, one year ago today. She accepted the job on the Solemnity of Pentecost one year ago today. Uh, it's a much longer story. I won't bore you with it. It mostly involved me freaking out and thinking there's just no way she's ever going to accept the job because there's just no way that things turn out that good. We there's no way that someone this talented and this impressive is going to accept the job. But she did. She did. So this past year, the Spirit has led us to revision high school youth ministry. And we've rebranded it under the name 1010, which is a nod to Jesus in the Gospel of John, where he says, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. John 1010, right? This community, this 1010 community, is a growing community of high schoolers. They've been going on retreats this past year. They've started leading First Friday Fellowship. Leah Grzanik is here somewhere. I saw her. So she and Claire and some of our other teens have been doing this praise and worship band, First Fridays. We had, uh, throughout all of Lent, we did a men's and women's book study where we split off. I was with uh, some of our adult core guys. We were in the gym. Some weeks we had 25, 30 guys in the gym. We did this book study. We played some sports. It was awesome. I have no idea what the girls did. I'm sure it was wonderful, but painting their nails, talking about Jesus. I don't know. 
I don't know what girls do when they get together for book studies. It was incredible, though. So this year, we're taking over 30, te- 30 of our high schoolers are going to the Steubenville Youth Conference. 30. That's a ton. That's probably one of the biggest groups that's going. We've had kids that have been leading worship. They've been encountering Jesus in worship and community. One of our teens was describing our youth group as a family. Like, this is something extraordinary. And we're, we just hired on a new summer intern, David, who's going to be leading some of our Wednesday and Sunday events this summer. Awesome things. Absolutely awesome things. Additionally, the Spirit has led us to completely rethink how we approach middle school formation. So what we did, we took our middle schoolers outside of the PSR classroom model that met on Sunday mornings, right? So 6th through 8th graders. And we created a new youth group ministry called The Vine. Again, a nod to John 15. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. We want our middle schoolers to realize that life grafted onto the vine is the source of abundant life. That's where Jesus is. That's where the promise of fulfillment is, to be grafted onto the vine. And the vine has met twice a month for the past year, and it's been incredible. It's high-energy activities and games. It has impactful preaching and teaching. We've got small group, and we always kind of end with Eucharistic adoration here in the church. You should see it. 75, 100 middle schoolers surrounding the altar in the sanctuary. I think Deacon Rich cries every time he sees it. It's beautiful. Our kids encountering the Lord. Your kids encountering Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. If you want to see what it looks like, go to our homepage. So shofjesus.com. Scroll down to where it says updates and click on the link that our director of marketing made. It's a highlight montage of the winter and spring events that we did. It'll blow your mind. It's awesome. It's absolutely awesome. We've also partnered this past year with Damascus Catholic Mission Campus. If you've never heard of Damascus, check out their website. Check them out on YouTube. It's an amazing organization located in the very geographical center of the state of Ohio, Centerburg. So about a a team of six or seven missionaries, these on-fire college-age missionaries, they come once a month to lead nights of preaching, teaching, adoration, worship. They're building relationships, and it's setting our kids' hearts on fire. Our kids have been going down to Damascus this past year for retreats and encounters with Jesus. Our kids have gone down there for their confirmation retreat. They've gone down there for their faith and science retreat, our 6th and 7th graders. And this year, our 8th graders will be going down for their uh, leadership retreat. And here's what's amazing. When they've come home from this, this is not just a camp. Like this camp, yes, it has high ropes, rock wall, archery tag, all the crazy high adventure things. But when the kids come home, they say that their favorite part about the entire time there is adoration, being prayed over. Like something amazing and extraordinary is happening there. They're coming to encounter the Father's voice. And just recently, just within the past few months, the Spirit created a new opportunity for us to hire on our very own Abby Cook. A lot of you probably know Abby Cook with her work in the past with VBS and PSR. Abby's uh, taken on, she's stepping into the new role of our director of uh, K-5 through Youth Catechesis for PSR. And that also we're rebranding, revisioning, giving it a new name called Roots. A nod to Psalm 1 where we hear the Lord say, the tree planted near flowing streams extending its roots into the source of life. Right? So the vision the Lord has given us for that is this, that by partnering with parents, roots, PSR, right? Roots will lay this foundation of Christian joy for our little kids. This foundation of Christian joy, engaging their questions, leading them in worship, getting them to begin to meet the person of Jesus. 
with great teaching and great catechesis, leading them into the vine and then 1010. So this is where the Spirit is blowing powerfully here at Sacred Heart. And we want to go where the Lord is leading. So here's the catch. Here's the pitch, I should say. Here's the pitch, all right? We need volunteers. We need help. There's a million ways that we could use you. And Claire and Abby, they would be happy to talk to you about all of your ideas of how you want to maybe get involved. But I'm going to pitch one idea in particular. I'm going to ask for this. That for all three of these ministries, for Roots, K through 5, for the Vine, 6 through 8, and for 1010, 9 through 12, we need to build up our adult core team, our adult volunteers. Who is this core team? These are the folks who are committed to being present to the kids of our parish week after week, investing in them, walking with them, praying with them, leading small groups, coming to Wednesday night sports nights, coming to Sunday night 1010 nights. It's about investing in them. There is so much statistical data that's out there in the church about what predicts for a child carrying his or her faith into adulthood. There's many different factors. But over and over again, one of the greatest statistical indicators, one of the greatest markers for a child carrying their faith into adulthood is did the child have a non-parental adult in his or her life investing into them during those very critical adolescent teenage years in the context of faith? Like without that, without that, it's very unlikely that they'll carry their faith into adulthood. Like, that was one of the greatest factors in my life. Without a guy named Ron Nowak, who was a youth minister at my parish, without a core team member named R.P. Titus, without a guy named Brian Wolf, Beth and Kent Davis, without Megan Kelly. Like, there were so many adults, these college-age amazing people who invested in me without them. Like, I wouldn't be here. I met Jesus through them. They modeled it for me. We need you to, I need you, Jesus needs you to step up to the plate in some capacity to waste time on our young people, to invest in them. So after Mass, Claire's going to be downstairs in the Andes room. She's going to be downstairs in the Andes room with lots of paper, lots of information, all sorts of ways she can answer your questions about how you might be interested in helping. Unfortunately, Abby can't be with us, be with us here this morning, but she has also information out down there. In the pews, there's these pieces of paper. If you can't go downstairs, please indicate on that piece of paper that you have a willingness to, like, I can help out in some capacity. Put down all your information. Put that in the collection basket for us. Friends, we can't do these things without help. We need help. And men especially, like our young men, especially need the witness and model of faithful disciples as men to help also father them into mature Christian discipleship. Like we need you. This parish needs you. If the Lord does not build the house, in vain do the builders labor. Like this is where the Spirit is moving in a very particular and powerful way in our parish. This is where the grace of Pentecost is being unleashed in our parish. I want to invite us to be radically obedient to the Holy Spirit so that through us, through Sacred Heart of Jesus Parish, Jesus can make good on his promise that the Holy Spirit will come and renew the face of the earth. If anything is stirring within you, go downstairs after Mass, talk to Claire, fill out that paper, put it in the basket. We need you. The kids of this parish need you. Amen.